Hello, and welcome to another episode of Clark Hill's Credit Ego to Go, curbside thought leadership for financial services. My name is Joanne Needleman, and I am a partner at Clark Hill, as well as a member of the firm's banking and financial services practice group. Today's guest is Ed Bills, Chief Operating Officer of PDC Flow. Um, He assumed that title after being the Chief Technology Officer for the past five years. PDC Flow software has transformed beyond a payment engine to become a secure digital communication platform for AR teams to collect payments via email and text. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about PDC Flow. I'm very familiar with it, uh, but many of our listeners uh, might not be. So talk a little bit about the platform and also what makes it different from a traditional payment processing platform. Sure. So just a little history on the company. Um, Initially uh, named PDC for you, we were established in 2003. Um, The purpose of establishing the company was really to partner with uh, ARM system DAX to provide electronic payments for them. And at that time, our focus was really solely on providing compliant and secure way for them to uh, allow their customers to accept digital payments. Mm -hmm. Um, As our company has evolved over the years, uh, both our technology and people's online habits have changed and become more advanced. Um, And we've shifted our focus over that time to uh, creating a holistic experience around the uh, consumer interaction piece of that versus just payments. So completing full transactions. So a few of the things as, as we've evolved, a few of the questions that we've tried to address with our technology platform over the years and, and have evolved our platform uh, into a solution for are things like um, how can we make the process of getting signed consent for payments easier Mm-hmm. Um, and fulfill the needs for uh, the regulations of the AR industry. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we save AR businesses and our software partners the time and expense of payment compliance uh, while also making the, the process very smooth for their consumers? Um, and then finally, how can we include um, multiple business actions or objectives into one workflow? Uh, so that people don't have to engage with multiple online tools or, or multiple transaction requests, things like that, to sign documents, upload documents, uh, make a payment, things like that. So how do we combine all of that into one simple workflow that uh, our partners can engage their consumers with? So those, are, those were kind of our objectives as our software has evolved um, over the years. And now we while we still are a digital payment platform, we consider ourselves more of a digital transaction delivery platform than a payment platform. Interesting. And I know that you service the accounts receivable management industry or arm industry as we would like to say it, but I know that your vision has gone beyond that and kind of walk us through um, how your platform really is financial services neutral. I mean, it can be really for any financial services company. Yeah, so, so 
the way in which we've chosen to, to focus on solving some of those problems that I mentioned is, has really driven the evolution of our products and what we uh, now call our flow technology platform, um, which is really the envelope through which we deliver our services. Mm -hmm. um, really, we've, we've kind of focused our product development um, around the customer experience of completing the transactions. Um, so we make it really easy for our partners to send a request to the customers, but then we focused on what they can actually include in those requests. Um, and we've made it very configurable and dynamic. So that's the part that, you know, our platform is configurable enough that if you have a specific workflow that you need to complete with a, uh, send to a consumer and have them complete, we can accommodate those different configurations. So whether it's in the ARM space and it has to do with regulation E uh, to get mm -hmm. compliance on payment schedules or uh, some other contracting and payment mechanism, um, or if you're in healthcare and you're just delivering HIPAA compliant documents uh, mm -hmm. from one healthcare institution to the other, uh, our platform can deliver all of that in a single transaction uh, within uh, all sorts of different uh, industries and within their regulatory and compliance frameworks uh, that govern those different verticals. You know, it seems um, while the process is very simplified and certainly makes a lot of sense, you, you obviously want a program that integrates with what your, your, your main platform is, regardless of what type of financial services you are delivering. But, you know, you mentioned, um, Reg E and HIPAA and other requirements. How do you as a company try to wrap your hands around this maze of regulation when it comes to payment processing or medical or, you know, maybe, I don't know if you work with student loan companies. I mean, every, every vertical of the financial services industry has its own nuance, right? And for a company like yours that's trying to simplify each of those verticals. Can you talk a little bit about how you how you figure out how to integrate and what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I, I guess first and foremost, we build our entire platform in the absolute most secure architecture and design that we can. Uh, and then we we operate under least access principles and some of the best practices like that within our internal staff. So from a compliance standpoint, most of the uh, certificates and audits and things like that that we have to go through to be compliant in the different verticals that we are trying to serve, um, it's not a big stretch really to go from one to the other. Most of the regulations are quite similar when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of the technology. Uh, mm -hmm. They want to make sure the data is secure. They want to make sure it's encrypted. You know, all, all those types of things are pretty common across whether it's HIPAA or PCI or any of that stuff. So we kind of apply that to our whole system and that way we don't need to customize anything on the backside to service different things. We just need to uh, go through the audit process and, and get certified that, you know, we meet the standards of that compliance. Um, and then as far as on our front end and on our, our API side of things, we've just made our system extremely configurable Mm -hmm. uh, we don't enforce any specific process on any specific customer. And that allows 
uh, our different partners in different verticals to utilize the system in a way that best fits their needs within their state's regulations or you know the countries they do business or the vertical uh, that they do business in they can govern that and it's not we don't try to enforce that for them we give them the flexibility to enforce their own uh, processes and compliance there that's interesting and i'm sure by having that that ultimately builds the trust with the consumer uh, we've ta I've talked a lot, uh, really since this pandemic started, there, there has been a rush to technology. You're in the technology business, you've been doing it a long time, but you would agree there's a lot of customers that have kind of danced around for a while and have been forced to kind of embrace it during these last several months. But there's always been an issue, especially for consumers, and especially when you're talking about payments, consumer giving credit card information, bank account information building that trust and and listening to you now it sounds like the more seamless you can make the process and the more that the client can customize it to what they do and to serve the the consumer better the more trust the consumer has in using the platform would you agree with that yeah i, I think the more um the easier in the easier it is for the consumer to complete the request. And I think the more of it that they can do on their side of things right. where they're not reading a credit card number to an agent on the phone or uh, things like that, then I think that does build the trust there where they know that I'm entering my stuff into a, a secure system. Nobody can see it that isn't supposed to see it. Um, you know, and so I think that gives them the confidence uh, to, complete those transactions and it also enables to some degree um, more self-servicing options as well which saves our partners money and time and and things like that as well um, I think it also helps prevent fraud yeah absolutely and that's been a big thing lately with uh, COVID mm -hmm. we've had a lot of our our partners and customers come to us and ask about that where they you know they've sent had to send their people home to work and they're worried about fraud and mm -hmm things like that with their people in an unmonitored environment. And, mm -hmm. you know, our solution allows them to uh, send requests to the consumers and have the consumers pay through those requests versus giving their payment data to those agents while still allowing the agents to talk to the consumer. Um, so it doesn't require self-service. It just allows the agents to not touch the sensitive data anymore, um, which is really what their uh, major concern is. So, so yeah, and then I, to your point, I think that the ability for them to do that builds trust with the consumer because the, they're not asking them to give them that sensitive information anymore. Right. From someone they don't know and certainly cannot see. <laughs> right. Uh, like as you, you would go into a retail store and, you know, I don't know the next time we're going to go into a retail store, <laughs> not anytime soon. So um, interesting. Let me, let me ask you uh, one final question thought and, and conversation I'd like to have. So, I mean, clearly you guys are in the forefront and, and, and taking the payment processing, um, taking it to, to the next level, but what is going to be the next level in, in your mind? Where, where are you guys thinking about, you know, six months, a year from now? Um, <clears throat> right now, our focus is really still on two things. One is, how do we 
provide our partners and the users of our system, our customers, the ability to do anything they need to do with a consumer interaction wise in a single easy to complete transaction. Um, and we're still building out that suite of, of kind of components and, and things that we can provide within our delivery system. Um, and we're still polishing that experience. Um, so we have a big focus on how do we offer the most uh, flexibility and components to allow our customers to build their own workflows and deliver those. And then how do we make the experience on the consumer side as smooth as possible? Um, so that, you know, they can open a, a request on their smartphone and just walk through it. And it's super easy. Um, I think that is our main focus here for the next, you know, foreseeable uh, future is just to build that system out. And like I said, continue to focus on being really a delivery system and a, and a, a customer engagement system more mm. than just a payment system. Yeah. I mean, my question, it sounds to me is it's, it's, it's really not about payments. It's about anything. So if I wanted to, I mean, hypothetically, if I wanted to apply for a mortgage, if I wanted to buy a car, if I wanted to, you know, make an appointment for, for whatever, or it sounds like what you're building is, is a seamless opportunity for consumer engagement well beyond paying, paying for a good or service. Yeah, that's how we view it exactly is, is the payment is just one part right. of your interaction with a consumer. And so the, the more that you can combine into a single transaction with them, the more you can hook all that together, uh, the easier it is for them to complete because they're doing everything within the context of that transaction. Mm -hmm. And also it produces on our back end for our partner or our customer, uh, a joint audit trail that shows right. that all of that was completed together um, as a single transaction. Interesting, interesting. Well, I wish you luck. I think that is absolutely the right approach as we start moving forward and hopefully ending COVID and moving to the post-COVID world. Uh, it is going to be about seamless transactions, as I said, regardless of what you're doing. And uh, really fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for the conversation. We, we ask a couple things from our Credit Eco Yes, uh, it's not so much that you get to come on and we get to talk about meaty financial services issues, but uh, a little levity at the end of the podcast. So um, this is a to-go theme podcast. And so we're always interested to hear about our guests' to-go experiences while you know this pandemic has been going on. We've had some really funny stories. You've had some really heartwarming stories. And I hope you have uh, an experience that you can share with us today. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And um, we have a, here close to my house, we have a, a little Nepalese restaurant that's owned by a refugee family. Mm -hmm. And they have a really cool story. They were featured in our local paper when they opened. Um, they had been in refugee camps and it took them many, many years as a family to save the money to open a restaurant. Um, and so we tried it and their food's incredible. And so we were frequenting that place quite often uh, and they were very successful. Um, and then the whole COVID thing hit and, you know, our state closed all the restaurants down for a while. And, um, we didn't really get out much as a family during that time, obviously. Um, so 
you know, fast forward a few months to when the state started to relax some of the regulations and they opened back up and we saw a communication from this restaurant. Um, and at that time, even though things were opened, our family, we weren't doing takeout and, mm -hmm. and going out to eat or any of that stuff. We pretty much were just at home. Um, and we saw this communication where they had started a GoFundMe page um, because they were effectively going out of business and right. couldn't make enough money to stay open. Uh, and so that kind of made us rethink that whole thing. And so we started to order takeout from them. And now we kind of make it a point uh, at least one or two times a week, we try to order takeout from some local establishment here um, just to try to do our part to help give them business and keep them open. Um, and so far these guys have made it and we're super happy about that because we want them to be there as an option when this, when normal comes back. Um, but you know, that's kind of my, when I was thinking about what kind of experiences have I had, you know, really my big one is just to try and continue to support these, these local businesses in a to-go manner, um, through this crisis so that they can come out the other end and actually still be there. Yeah, it's a wonderful story. We've heard many, many of my guests talk about similar and, and, and wanting to help uh, businesses who they patronized, you know, on a daily, weekly basis prior to this. And to see them struggling has really impacted the, their communities in a lot of ways. One, one, of, um, one of our guests talked about a similar local restaurant and everyone in the neighborhood got together and not only ordered from them, but whatever the bill was, they would pay double. They would mm -hmm. double the bill just to give them, you know, some extra relief. And, and, you know, those are just, those are the positive things that are coming out of this. So thank you so much for that. And uh, I, I'm sure there's no doubt that our listeners would appreciate a story like this. So thank you. Uh, really great. Uh, finally, um, Ed, we, um, in consideration of your time and coming onto the podcast, um, we would like to make a donation uh, on your behalf to a local food bank or a charity that is helping displaced workers or just a charity that you feel strongly about in general. And I'm hoping that you can uh, identify such an organization. Yeah, I think, I think we would do the um, Utah Food Bank. We're headquartered here in Utah. And so I think that's a great organization, especially given some of the hard times that people are going through right now. So, uh, Wonderful choice. And we are happy to make uh, that donation on your behalf. So Ed, thanks again uh, for coming onto the podcast and having such an important conversation. I hope um, as things start to develop, you can come back on again and give us some updates on PDC flow and in some areas where you're starting to expand, I would be really interested to hear um, what, that, what that looks like. Um, so thanks again. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners um, for coming onto the podcast today. Uh, for more information about Credit Eco to Go and future podcasts, please go to my bio page at clarkhill.com or to our, to our LinkedIn page. Uh, all episodes of Credit Eco to Go can be found on Buzzsprout and Spotify. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have ideas for future show topics, please email us at creditecotogo at clarkhill.com. Thank you. Be well. Stay safe.
This podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only, and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient. Thank you.